The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women. And beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature. Be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with MJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. MJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops, and that by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real. Hello, thanks for joining us for a real talk with MJ Sorority. Today, we are joined by our client executive, Estacia Brandenburg, to talk about the ins and outs of waivers. So thanks for joining us, Estacia. Thanks, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you again. You are our expert on all things waivers. So we wanted to pick your brain a bit. Can you just tell us kind of what the what we advise in terms of use of rate waivers for sorority-sponsored events? Just kind of sure. big picture. Absolutely. So over the last several years, we did shift our position on waivers, and that was Um, mostly because of a shift in case law that has shown that there are more jurisdictions that recognize participants' assumption of risk in activities. Like basically more courts are saying, yes, we understand that you signed a waiver and we want you to be held responsible for signing that waiver. Um, And it lessens the organization that's sponsoring the event liability somewhat. There are some limitations that we can talk about, but um, that's really kind of why we changed our position We also saw an increase in the robust kind of active and athletic events and activities that our sorority clients were having, um, and those were leading to a dramatic increase in liability incidents and claims among our clients. So because of that, we um, developed a a waiver template um, that can help you, um, that we hope that you'll use when you're having an event that's riskier in nature. Um, And again, we're going to get to that in a minute. But while there's no guarantee that a waiver will stand up in court in your jurisdiction, we do believe that besides that possibility that it would stand up in court and it would be helpful if something, if it really came down to the wire um, with an an issue and somebody got injured, we think there are a couple other good reasons to use waivers for your events. First, the waivers may help you educate your members, the guests, or the event, event participants about the risks associated with your event. And second, a waiver may prevent a lawsuit from ever being filed simply because the participant has acknowledged that he or she has assumed some of the risk of the event. So we used to kind of say they usually don't hold up in court, you know, if you want to do it, do it. But then because of some of this case law that has come about, and just because we have seen kind of anecdotally that sometimes when people 
sign waivers, then they don't even pursue the lawsuit to begin with, that we've kind of evolved on our position here a little bit. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. And we also know that they're pretty common. Like, I mean, really, when was the last time you went and did anything? Um, You know, if you, you know, I'm a mom, I take my kids to the trampoline park, at least I did pre-COVID and hope to again, Um, you signed waivers for them. Or if you go horseback riding, um, that has its own whole set of laws that we're not getting into, but you sign waivers really, you know, it's just an expectation of events. And I don't think it surprises anybody. It's not a shock to the system if they're asked to sign a waiver before participating in an event. Yeah, that's a good point. So in terms of where we would specifically recommend waivers and maybe, so like, let's do that first, but then maybe touch on, you know, they don't need waivers for every event necessarily, unless their national organization has that policy or something. Right. Typically we would say a waiver for any athletic event. So if, especially one that includes non-members in your event. So either guests or if you are hosting a philanthropic event, for example, if you're having a flag football tournament or a volleyball tournament or whatever the sport is that um, you want to have, if you're, we should, we really recommend that you have those um, participants sign waivers. There are some that we still wouldn't recommend no matter what, like eating contests, we absolutely recommend against um, even with a waiver. But for those sporting events, we think it's, it's a good idea. Also, if there are any other risky event, even if it's not athletic, again, like ropes courses, bounce houses, bonfires, hay rides. Of course, make sure that your organization even allows you to have those kinds of events at all, um, because they're cert- they certainly can be risky. Um, but if you are going, if you have gotten permission, you are going to participate in those kind of events, then you'd want to um, have a waiver. And then really and any other competition too that you're having, that you might have, um, it's probably a good idea to have participants sign a waiver. Great. And what do we recommend in terms of kind of the structure? You mentioned we have a template. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, there's a template online. So you can search for it on our website, mjsorority.com. If you're listening, you're probably aware of that um, website already. But if you just search liability template or liability waiver in the search bar, it should pop right up that you can get to it. Um, and it's a fairly robust waiver. It's really meant for those kind of athletic competitions um, that we just described. But and it has areas to fill in and there are it's maybe hopefully not too confusing, but kind of footnotes to explain a little more information. And you just cut and cut and paste out of the um, footnotes your information about the event um, to make sure that when somebody signs the waiver, that they understand really what it is they're waiving. So we know from case law that it's important, but that's fairly clear. So you can't have one general waiver that would cover anything you do all year long. It needs to be specific to that event um, and then kind of lay out some of the dangers that you see for that event. So you might want to think about what some of the dangers are. Like if you're having a road race, um, you'll want to make sure that, you know, you say that traffic could be an issue. These are all in the waiver. Traffic, weather um, could all call cause injury. You could, though, have one waiver for the same activity that's going over a weekend. For example, if you're having a tournament where somebody would presumably advance through that tournament over the course of, you know, a whole day or a few days, they can just sign one waiver at the beginning of the tournament to acknowledge 
um, they wouldn't have to do several over time. But we hope that that waiver is helpful. We've um, gotten good feedback on it. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me. Um, and you can also kind of work with um, any a local attorney that you have if you want to make changes to it um, because it is a template. And again, you we encourage you to input the information about your event. So they need to be specific, as specific as possible to the specific to that event, basically, um, and showing right. that you have done everything you can to make the event as safe as possible, and making the participant kind of aware of what risks they've decided to by signing this they're taking on for themselves. Right. So if it's a field event that you're having, you'll want to make sure that it's a field maybe that's used for that kind of thing usually, you know, on a regular basis. There aren't any holes in the field that they could step in. Um, There aren't any walls close to the perimeter of your event that somebody could run into or run over that would, that they would get injured. Um, But you, then you'll say that the, in the template, you'll see if you look at it, that it, 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 it requires the participant to acknowledge that they have looked at the field and that they assume the risk for participating in the event. Great. That's super helpful. Um, let's turn our attention to just some frequently asked questions that we get about waivers now that we've kind of covered the basics. And some of these basics that Asatia and I just conversationally discussed are in the position paper that's also on our website too. So if you needed something a little bit more formal or in writing about risk management physician on waivers, then that would be available in that position paper, which are also linked to in the show notes. But looking at some questions that we often get about waivers, one is how should we save waivers and how long should they be saved? Yeah, that's a good question that we get frequently. Um, It's really important that once you go to all the trouble to to have waivers, get them in place. First of all, you can do them in a couple of different ways. You can have hard copy waivers, so printed pieces of paper that you put in front of, front of somebody and they sign, um, or you could do an electronic waiver. Um, there's a company that we've used called Smart Waiver in the past, and if you want to try it out for an event, um, we can help you with that. You can contact me and I'll get you in touch with the right person for, the, for an event. Um, or you might want to set up your own account if you're having events that you'll want to sign waivers for. It is a paid for service, but it's it's fairly reasonable. Um, but either way, you'll want to make sure that you save those um, waivers after the event. So even if you do hard copy, you can either you can put them in a binder and make sure that they're saved somewhere safe um, for whatever your organization's document retention policy is. That's usually at least five years. Um, and or you could scan them all and save them um, digitally, but make sure that you'd be able to access any individual waiver um, in case there were some sort of accident or injury or event. Often it can take a long time. Like you might not even realize that somebody is injured the day of the event. It might take a few weeks or months or even years sometimes before you might even hear that somebody's gotten hurt and has raised a claim and filed a claim because of injuries that they've had. And so it's important that you maintain those. You really don't want to leave them out, um, make, go to all that trouble and then leave them on a table where they get rained on and blown away at the end of the day because you think something happened or th- you think nothing happened and then you have to, um, then you don't have them. It's also important that you're, once you have a waiver in place, that you make sure every single participant signs it before they are allowed to participate um, and you don't let anybody just kind of slip through the cracks. I know sometimes that's hard in the busyness of an event day, but it's really important that you make sure that everybody signs it. 
Yeah, that's where some of these um, technologies come into play or platforms because they, you could, like with Smart Waiver, you could require that they sign it before the event, you know, so then you're just kind of not, they don't even get the details to come unless they've signed the waiver kind of thing. Right. So you can send a link out through Smart Waiver and they can fill it out electronically and then um, just click and it comes back and is saved in your file. Um, and then it's like I said, it saves a copy or you can have um, an iPhone or an iPad or, you know, some sort of um, tablet at the event to have people sign them on the spot. Yeah. And I think that just what you said is like, if you're going to go to the trouble of having a waiver, then you want to make sure that you have a physical some sort or electronic, I guess, copy of it in case there might be a lawsuit that even, you know, comes up two or three years from now or something like that. Um, let's say that the venue is requiring that all participants sign waivers. Does that mean that we are protected? Usually no. So we would recommend that if you're doing something at a venue that's requiring a waiver, for example, if you have an, a um, roller skating party and the roller skating rink is requiring that you sign the waiver, um, that waiver will only protect the roller skating rink and their interests. It will not protect you at all. In fact, it could actually make you at greater risk because it's taking the roller skating rink out of the equation. They're really the ones that are responsible for the conditions of the roller skating rink. Um, you're just people that have, you know, rented it typically for the evening. Um, but if they're, they're waving, making the participants waive all their liability, um, then it would be especially important that you have a waiver that will protect your organization's interests. That's a good point. So have two for those kinds of things, probably. Um, okay, so when are waivers not effective? You kind of touched on this at the beginning, but. Yeah, um, it's really important that if you're going to have somebody sign a waiver, they also have an out. So if you're requiring somebody to participate in an event, if you have a sisterhood event um, that is a mandatory event that they everybody comes to or they're fined or they're not, they, their membership um, wouldn't be in good standing if they didn't show up to the event, then you really don't need to have a waiver for it because it, it wouldn't be effective if they are for, they don't have an other option. Um, you if for a sisterhood event that is maybe a little bit risky, um, you should have some sort of secondary event um, that would take the place of it um, if they're not comfortable signing the waiver and doing that activity. It's also still important that as an organization planning an event that you do everything possible to make the event as safe as, safe as possible. So if you are absolutely negligent in planning your event, if there's something that you should have done that a reasonable person is, that's the standard that most courts look at, that a reasonable person would have done to make the event safe that you didn't do, then the waiver probably isn't going to stand up. So those are the two main things. It can't be mandatory and you still really need to do everything that you can to make the event safe um, in order to make those waivers be effective. That makes sense. It comes to mind too, just um, with the pandemic, that it's really it's been really important that we offer for people that you know don't feel safe at in-person events, offer some kind of virtual option. It's kind of a similar idea of making sure that there's just another option for people, you know, in that in that same way that we're not only offering one option that then could kind of 
get us in trouble from a liability standpoint later on, even if it's, I mean, that in that situation, it's not necessarily like the nature of the event isn't risky. It's in a pandemic, just gathering in person, but. Right. We've all been practicing those muscles for the last almost two years now and finding other optional ways of doing it so we can keep everybody safe. Um, And, you know, even for events that wouldn't have been considered dangerous, like just simply gathering um, before COVID in our pre-COVID lives, um, I know many organizations chose to have waivers when they were having gatherings. And COVID-19 was definitely one of the risks that they wanted people to understand that they were assuming if they chose to gather in any kind of group or any kind of setting during that time. Yeah. Yeah, that has been a an education for all of us, for sure. <laughs> um, and just a way, it's kind of a good lesson in how to be as inclusive as possible too, which hopefully will be last longer than the pandemic. <laughs> um, okay, so why is limiting liability important? Maybe we should have started with that question because that's maybe really we what have. we're <laughs> that's what we're right, doing. Maybe with we right. um, well, first and foremost, we believe um, that we want we know that you want to keep your members and your guests safe. Like that's you know it, the event certainly isn't as fun if we know that somebody has gotten hurt, um, and so we don't want that to happen. So we really want to do everything that we can to make events safe. And we hope that you feel that way too. But also as your risk management partner, it's really important to us that you avoid the the costs and the damages and the the hassle that come out of um, having an event where somebody would get hurt. We also really want you to be able to main your low general liability premiums that all of our sorority clients currently enjoy. Um, And we know with the increased if there are increased claims and increased costs of claims that we're seeing, um, partly just because medical insurance or I'm sorry, medical, um, the cost of medical care continue to go up, um, that the claims get more expensive. So we want you to try to avoid those as much as possible so you can keep your general liability rates low. We also want you to be able to maintain your current low liability rates. Um, And we know that increases in claims may increase the cost of your insurance or um, even worse, cause your insurance company to start to exclude coverage for certain categories of sorority events. We want to avoid that if at all possible. Yes, definitely. And um, the, our sorority clients enjoy really low liability insurance rates, all things considered. And so one way of maintaining those is by having safe events, right? I mean, a, that's probably a, a major way to do that. that is a ma- absolutely a major way. And so waivers are one way that we can um, limit that liability and have safer events. And I think it's also a little bit of a, an educational kind of self-awareness tool almost of like, okay, one, it helps the whoever's planning the event, the chapter, to say like, we want to create as safe an event as possible by if we're going to drop a waiver, then that makes us think through those things. But then also the the participants, as they're signing that, even if it's just, you know, a quick signature, they're, they are maybe connecting that, okay, this is a little bit riskier event, or, you know, I'm taking on some liability here kind of thing. Um, so even just a little bit of that education piece, I think is helpful. Um, okay, so one last question. We have our waiver. Is there anything else that we should do? 
Yeah, just remember that having a waiver is just one puzzle piece in your whole puzzle of putting together a safe event. So just because you have a waiver doesn't mean you can skip any of the other steps. So make sure that you have reviewed all of the contracts um, and that you make sure that the venue that you're using, if you're using a venue, has all of the insurance that your organization requires in order to use that venue to make sure that they are responsible for those things that they should and can be responsible for. Make sure that you have been through your organization's risk management and event planning process and that you've obtained any approvals that you need to receive, whether that's from your local advisor or from your national headquarters. Um, however, your organization does it and they all do it just a little bit differently, but every organization has a process um, that hopefully that you are aware of. Um, and then also that you are able to work out with work with our office, probably Ruth or Amy in our office to obtain any proof of insurance um, that you have to the venue so that you can keep things moving along. So again, it's just one piece of the puzzle. And we hope that you've got we've got the rest of the rest of it down. Um, and you're just adding this one more thing to help keep you safer. Awesome. Thank you so much, Astacia. I feel smarter about waivers. <laughs> so we usually finish up our episodes with something that we can't stop talking about outside of sorority risk management. I mean, I know that's like all you talk and think about all the time, but is there anything else that you can't stop talking about lately? Well, besides sorority risk management, I have, as we head into, it's um, almost Thanksgiving um, as we record this. And I, while I, um, kind of make fun of my husband and daughter for their the fact that they've already turned on the Christmas music. Um, I admit that I have already turned on the Christmas movies. So bring them all on. The cheesy Lifetime and Hallmark movies um, have been a nice break from the news that I usually consume on daily <laughs> You're just going to be like, keep watching them all year long. You'll be like, yeah, you'll be like into next movies. summer and still watching all the Christmas. Right, where are the Valentine's movies and the Fourth of July? <laughs> I mean, shouldn't we have them around every holiday? I think so. There's something. Um, it's like the comfort food of uh, movies or something like that. You know, we could we could all use a little bit of that. Um, so I have been consuming the exact opposite of comfort food. I've been watching on Hulu Dope Sick. It's a um, kind of like a mini series. It's based on the book Dope Sick um, about the op opioid crisis and with Purdue Pharma. And so I have been trying to limit myself to little doses because it's quite depressing and sad. So I'm hoping that there is some redemption at the end of this thing. I'm not finished with it yet, but then I'm going to go deep dive into the Christmas movies, I guess. <laughs> I'll definitely, I'll definitely. It's all about finding balance. <laughs> yes. I'll definitely need some of that afterwards. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expert legal opinion with us and educating us on um, waivers. And I will put your email address in our show notes. So if people have specific questions, they can follow up with you directly. But we loved having you and can't wait for next time. Sounds great. Thanks for including me. See you later. Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mjsorority.com. Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart. Be safe. And we'll catch you next time.